0: to think that the question what is art is a pretty dumb question because it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks art is. If you're looking at it and you think it's art, then it's art. If you made it and you think it's art, then it's art. Full stop.
1: This is the My Not Arts podcast, a map to the arts in small town America with your hosts Justin and Chandel. And today's guest is a graphic designer, artist, uh, printmaker, and just all-around quirky art gal. I'm going to go with that. I don't know why. That's me. Roxy Mathis.
0: Well, thank you for having me. It's yes, to be here. Yes, thanks for
1: joining us. We're excited to have you.
0: Illustrator also. On the Illustrator. Illustrator
1: that's it. the word I was missing. Yeah.
2: And then, are you a children's book author? Did you write your books yes. Yes. for
0: that, too? That's
1: right behind me. Yeah. It is. I I'm failing in my introduction yeah, today.
0: The crescent moon Mooncat and the Moose on the Loose, I both wrote both of those. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, oh,
2: Roxy, thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you get us started with a little bit about how you found your place in the arts, how you got involved with
0: your creative
2: undertakings?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. I have been interested in art my whole life, uh, ever since I was a little tiny kid. Uh, I grew up on a ranch in the middle of nowhere, and... You know those typical artist tropes of the artist who grows up with an oppressive family who doesn't support them and they tell them they're never going to make it as an artist and they have to get out to make it and all this crazy... That's not me. That's not me at all. My parents were unfailingly supportive Mm. in all of my weird interests and all of us kids' interests, actually, not just my art. I'm the middle child of five kids, and I'm the only one that's really interested in art. The other ones are more ranch and mechanics and stuff like that, uh, but they always supported me in my art and made sure that I had painting supplies and drawing supplies and all that stuff, and always made sure that I was set up in that way. And even to the point where they would find things for me, opportunities for me to make art or to participate in art events. There aren't very many down there in Amadon, North Dakota. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were a few, and we got into them, but. Uh, they weren't really that many. Uh, and I do remember even one day, my dad, he worked for the county building roads and stuff. And he went to the county or to the courthouse for whatever reason. And he came home one day with a box of paper that was misprinted letterhead that they couldn't use. So it was this huge box of paper. And he's like, here you go. I thought you could draw on the backs of them. And they were yellow. I don't know who thought yellow letterhead was a good idea. <laughs> probably a good thing they were misprinted but so they're just random things like that i'm sure mom still has a bunch of yellow art of mine up in the attic somewhere and um he was also uh one he's actually when you think about it he's my first client because he always had these great one-liner jokes and he would be like hey come here so draw some steaks like t-bone steaks With wings on them, like, they're up in the sky. And I'm like, okay. So I do this. And he's like, okay, now right at the bottom of it, high stakes. (laughs) (laughs) And then another one that actually turned into a full, big, not very good art piece when I was in college was paint this little, draw this little, this little pear. He's up in the tree, right? Little pear up in the tree and he's looking all scared and worried. There's other little pears on the ground and they're all yelling at him. Come down here, you wuss. Get, get down here, you. Come on now. Hurry up and jump down here. And then at the bottom, pear pressure.
3: <laughs> As, yeah. I feel like that would
2: make like a fun little coffee table book. Like yeah. all these little cartoons Dad's that you drew one-liners. with your dad. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, there were tons of them. I'd, uh, that would be a really fun book to make, actually. <laughs> so I, I, I'd get one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would.
0: He was good. He was good at those silly one-liner things. Um, and then mom was my best critic, uh, for reals. Like she knew how to give you good critique on something, like suggestions on how to f- make it better without making you feel bad about it. So like she had this like that just that perfect balance of giving you um, very good constructive criticism. So and then she would always also really try to to find those opportunities for me in art and like make sure that, that I was getting out there and like talking to people and meeting people because I was a painfully shy kid. And she helped me to meet people and talk to people when I couldn't do it by myself. Like I, there was one time I was a little kid. She was working at the country store in Amadon, And she's like, hey, that's Wendell Crawford over there. You should go talk to him. And I was like, Wendell Crawford is a very well-known Western artist. And I I was a little kid. I was like, no way. What am I going to talk to him about? What would I say? And she's like, go ask him for his autograph. And she gave me a three by five like recipe card. And uh, so I walked over there and I was like, hello, Mr. Crawford. (laughs) May I have your autograph, please? And he's like, oh, do you want me to sign it the way I sign my name or the way I sign paintings? And I was like, well, the way you sign paintings, I guess. And he's like, oh, I can't do that without drawing you something first. So so he drew me a little horse head and then signed it. And so I've got that somewhere at mom's house somewhere. Who knows? Um, so she was always helping me do that. And there's local artists down there. Even though it's such a small rural area, there are a few practicing local artists down there, like Marsha Lehman. And she would she's a good friend of the family. And um, so I'd get to go to her studio and like a working artist studio and see what she's making and how she works and ask her questions and, you know, I get to chat with her and stuff. And as a little kid, like, who wants to go into the arts to see a working artist, like, out there in the wild doing the thing, you know? (laughs) That was really valuable to me. Like, it was even to the point where, like, their their belief in the fact that I was going to, I could go into art and make a go of it and make a living at it, Was just like so absolute that I never questioned it myself. When I wouldn't run into people that would say, Oh, you're gonna be a starving artist. You can't do that. It's impossible. It's really hard and blah, blah, blah. It didn't even faze me because my parents just accepted it that it's, that's the way it's gonna be. You're gonna be an artist and you can do it. Not a big deal. And it's, I think it was mostly, yes, it is difficult, but you can do difficult things. So just their unfailing belief in me was something that was very, ob- ob- obviously still carry with me today.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I really love that you just like, never had any doubt because you, there wasn't any presented to you. Yeah. And so. like,
0: I mean, yeah, there's people that are going to say that stuff, but there's no reason to believe in any of it because I always had people behind me telling me I could do it. Wow. And then even my siblings, like, my older brother suggested that I go into graphic design because it might be a little bit more at the time. That was a long time ago. He's I was a little kid. He's like, you should go into graphic design. I was, okay, maybe I wasn't a little kid. Maybe I was in high school. Feels like a long time sure. ago. <laughs> I feel like a little kid. And he's like, you should go into graphic design because it'll probably pay better than just going into painting. <laughs> or Because <laughs> that does seem a little nebulous. Like, I'm just a painter and I sell mm-hmm. my paintings. Even now, I know people that do it, and it still seems really nebulous to me and, like, scary. I don't know. But I did go into graphic design, and it was a good choice. Thank you, Russ. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get from
2: a little kid who's super passionate about art and also has all of those great influences in your life to being a graphic designer?
0: Well, let's see. I I focused on art a lot in school, as much as I could. And then before high school, I actually got to take uh, just like a summer painting class with um, the teacher, the art teacher, who was the art teacher in my high school before I got there. Okay. The indomitable Marie Navely. She's amazing. And I learned a lot in that class. I didn't get to have her as a, a teacher during school. I actually had Angie Moser. She was amazing. She's a, like... She exposed us to a lot of stuff we never would have gotten to see otherwise in our little rural area and taught a lot of different techniques all over the place. Like She's a jack-of-all-trades and a master of just being an awesome teacher. So those two really helped. And then, of course, having those connections to the art people in my community um, just pushed me on to keep going. And I got... uh, Obviously, I decided to go into graphic design for the money because it's not that it pays well, but because it pays it seems to pay a little bit more uh reliably than just selling <laughs> artwork. Uh I don't know. It's worked out so w- well so far. Uh I did get a partial scholarship to um Black Hills University. Okay. But I decided my not is still cheaper. So and it, and it is and that's where I decided to go and it has worked out pretty well so far. And thank goodness because I ended up with Bill Harbert as my uh, graphic design teacher and sometimes boss when I was a student worker. And I learned so much about graphic design and how it it legitimately can be like actually good art. Mm-hmm. Like obviously not everything is going to be not all graphic design is great. A masterpiece that you put in the Guggenheim, you know, it's sometimes it's just a job. It's just business cards and, sure. and forms, but um, it's still a creative thing that you get to do. And Bill showed me the benefits of graphic design, like how it can communicate things, but also be beautiful at the same time. And like, mm-hmm. let's get this m- mashup of like beauty and information, even though sometimes that information is just really basic. Like here's a sale. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Sure. I mean, I did, I may be biased, but I still think our logo is one of the best ones Aww. I've we get, seen. So. We get compliments
2: <laughs> all the time on how cool our
3: logo well, is. Right. So,
1: so l- listeners, if you don't know, Roxy designed the Minority Council of the Arts logo a couple of years ago. So that, I, that's why we're talking about it. Right.
0: <laughs> logo design is one of my passions. I yeah. love doing logos. And there's a few, like there's several in town that I've done. It's really fun as a graphic designer to see your art out there and being used and like sure some people have said that they couldn't handle that you have to go look at your art all the time and see all the things you did wrong or you could do better but you can't now because it's out there it's done and i don't get that with the graphic design stuff particularly maybe it's because it's a different mindset because it's so it's it is kind of finite once it's a painting you can keep on working on forever if you want to but a logo you got to stop you gotta quit when the client yeah. approves it yep. it's there yep yeah. and uh, and if the client wants something you don't want there's only so much like back and forth you can do you are both someone's gonna have to compromise and it's usually right. the designer <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you're already kind of in that space of of relinquishing like oh yeah that piece anyway out into the At, world so yeah. Maybe you have to be good at that mindset. It
0: it is something to get used to as you're working. that's definitely something they don't teach you in college. Like it's really hard to work with clients sometimes. Some are impossible and you have to drop them and that's okay. The moment that you can say no to your first paid gig is really, really like liberating. Hmm. The first time someone asked me to do something and I didn't want to do it and I didn't need to do it for the money, that was nice when I could just be like, no, thank you, and move on with my day. That felt real good. That felt real adult moment right there. Yeah. That was nice. But, yeah, there's a lot of logos around town that are mine that you might see as you walk around. There's uh, Magic City Hoagies just down the road. Yeah. Uh, Little Blue Elephant, one of my favorite ones. Oak Park Theater. Spectrum Fitness. Those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Fun.
2: (laughs) They're all good logos.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah. Ours is still the best.
2: I
0: wouldn't yeah. mention any others. <laughs> I'm partial.
1: I'm partial. I'm partial it, to it. Right.
0: It, yeah. it is it a good one. It goes really, everywhere with you. I'm quite happy with that one.
1: Yeah. Um. So, and and Bill was just a guest uh, two episodes ago. So you know we we know that he's a fascinating individual, and that we had a great conversation with him. Um. Take us then. You you work at Minot State University. I do. I curren- currently.
0: Yep. I currently am a graphic designer at Minot State University, and it, it's pretty great.
1: So you you're no longer a student. So you somehow well. made it through the process <laughs> of Minot State, and then are still at Minot yeah. State.
0: I serve. I survived the Walter Peel gauntlet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a teacher of mine, and we did have some arguments, which. I think it's good. I had right. arguments with a few of my of my art teachers and I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> but at the same, you know, argue with them, but listen to them too cuz right. they do know what they're talking about. Yeah. Walter. And for, we're not talking like, about,
1: you know, speech 101 or, you know, English 101 or things yeah, like no. that, you know, like argue argue with your professors when you're in the
0: Specifically argue with your art teachers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, do that a lot. They're going to love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hear some groans already from... <laughs>
0: no, no, for reals, they do like it. They like to have a little discourse and mm-hmm. like get people talking. It's a lot better than just looking at class that are just staring at back at you. Yeah. And I've had literal, literally, we had a teacher who's not there anymore. He was our graphic design teacher. And we had stuff, like we had critique to do that day. We had stuff on the board and we were working supposed to be talking about it and nobody was talking there was only like seven or eight of us in the class and no one was talking we were all too nervous which was dumb we were, we were third year students mm-hmm. we should have known how to do critique at that point that is a skill to learn is critique yeah. you should learn it but he was so mad because no one was talking he threw a book <laughs> 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 he threw what, this a was book Walter? no oh. no 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 he's not there anymore he threw a book and he left the room, and he came back ten minutes later. He had to go like take a breather and come back. And we did we did start talking a little bit nervously though because he threw a book at us.
3: <laughs> so I I'd,
1: I'd, I'd say in any of the uh, any of the artistic disciplines, if you're able to um, articulate well in a critical way. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's an interpretation or opinion of a work, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, a design work or or um, art, fine art or literature or theater, all those professors, all of them that I've known, anyway, mm-hmm. they appreciate being challenged.
0: Yes, yeah, they do, and it is good. Like I said, it's having a the skill of critique is extremely valuable, mm-hmm. and I think they don't t- kids if they start college don't realize that right it's it's something that you need to learn and you don't see the value in until you're late stage right.
3: <laughs> college right. or
0: out of college when you don't have it anymore without finding friends who will be honest with you and so I think that it's definitely they need something they need to like emphasize more and like tell the kids. This is why it's important to critique and right. listen to each other's critique and come up with good critique instead of just, I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah thoughtful <laughs> critique, not that sucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: But
0: why does it suck?
3: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and some, sometimes all you have is, I like it. I, I've i yeah, had, the, I've had those conversations sometimes yeah. yeah. you don't know why. I've, I've looked at many pieces and I'm like, I like that. And I've actually had some that I'm like, I like that. I don't know why I'd like it, but I
0: like it. Yeah, it's kind of hard if you, especially, I couldn't expect anyone who's not in, who's not a practicing artist to mm-hmm. give any decent critique because they don't know why they like it most of the time. Not not everybody, plenty of people do. I'm not going to say everybody's a, an art idiot if they're not in art school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just that a lot of times people look at a thing and they they like it or they don't like it, and they don't know specifically mm-hmm. why. What makes them feel that way? So I, you, you got to find people who know what they're, know what they're talking about, know what, how to look at your piece, and know how to tell you, this is why it's not working, not just it's not working. Yeah. So yeah, really valuable. And I did have several arguments with Walter about different things. I don't remember any of them. <laughs> I mean, well, I do, I do remember one. We had an argument about whether or not humorous art is art mm-hmm. yeah that actually is the the pear the pear pressure piece I painted that yeah. for class and he's like this isn't art this is not funny <laughs> and it's not art <laughs> I don't know if he's specifically said it's not right. art but he was not into it at all and we did have an argument about it in class it was pretty fun honestly it was very lively a lot of people were getting in on it so it was nice huh. yeah Walter's a good one to have a conversation like that with
1: you have to ask him
3: about that next time. See him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he also he he was very challenging to me. I mean, for me it was very challenging because one particular class was like a drawing class or a painting class and we had to he told the homework was to gesso a piece of paper and then go paint on it and bring it back. And I was like, "Why am I gessoing paper?" This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> waste of gesso, waste of paper. I thought it was the dumbest thing. And I was a dumb college kid for for thinking like that. But I still did it. So even if you think it's dumb, still do it because the teacher said to do it and learn what you can from it. Because it ended up being a whole series of paintings that were amazing and one of my favorite series that I've ever done. So thanks, Walter. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was dumb at first. <laughs>
1: So you come from a small town.
0: Very small.
1: Amadon is not a
0: <laughs> It's a, a metropolis. A, a
1: town name that you hear <laughs> no. spoken very often.
0: No. Is Amadon the In town that has the the cop car? Cop car? It is, okay. Yes. Yeah. It is. We were actually when they put that on the news it's like a fun little story, like a life interesting story or whatever. Mm-hmm. We were like, why are you telling people? That thing is there to tell people to deter people to deter people from yeah. speeding through Amadon. It's like And it works. I Amazon can't tell you is... how many times because
2: I live I grew up in New Mexico. My family was here. We oh, drove yeah. we drove through Amadon every time we would take that trip and there's an
0: old cop car with a dummy sitting in it and it's like oh. at the edge of town because people were speeding through Amadon. Amadon is like 100 yards long. Sure. And people it's it's on a highway. So you got to slow down from 65 down to 25. And then back up to 65 after you get through. It's a very small. I get it. You don't want to slow down, but there are people living here. Right. <laughs> so they, so people would speed through, and they put up that cop car with the dummy in there, and it works. It slows people down. They see it and they slow down. And then we were like, why are you telling everybody that it's just a dummy? <laughs> You're ruining it. But no, it hasn't. I mean, it hasn't made, um, made a little name for us, I guess. We are yeah. like twenty people is the population of Amadon. It's real small. And that's where I went to grade school from kindergarten through eighth. Wow. And then Bowman for high school. Okay. Yeah, it was it was fun living in the tiny itty bitty little town. Yeah. I grew up on the on the ranch about three miles outside of town. I didn't get a, I didn't grow up in town. Not a town kid. I mean I am now, but
1: the ranch girl.
0: Yep. Ranch, not farm.
1: Right. So I'm a farm I'm a farm kid. I'm not a ranch
0: kid. Farm is a four-letter word in our household. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we were sodbusters. We were. <laughs> so. All right. So you grew up in in small, small town, made it to the grand metropolis of my <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: um,
1: Can you talk a little bit about then that that rural influence? I mean, obviously you had the ultra-supportive family system, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, is there, I know you have various influences in your art. Is there, is there a rural component to the, to your influence?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Like a lot of my art has, um, I've done a ton of like landscapes all of the Badlands specifically. Um, there are even like little landmarks. I know there's different artists in art history focus on like one mountain and paint it 180,000 times in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mine for that, I'm not quite up to hundred and eighty thousand, but <laughs> mine is uh, a little little line of buttes called the Dog Tooth buttes, and I have heard other people call it something else. some maybe maybe only my dad called it that. I don't know, but it's the dog tooth buttes. it looks kind of like a line of dog teeth is why it's called that. and um we would go out to where where they are kind of over by the river there and. Dad worked on the for the county, he like built roads and when he'd go check roads to make to see if he needs to work on them, he'd take us with him sometimes. And we'd go out there and we'd have a picnic or we'd catch frogs or we'd just goof around or there like I said there's the river there. We would uh, watch the ice break up in the spring, which is so loud. It like reverberates in your chest yeah. when it when it cracks. And mom insists that one day dad and I were running across the ice. Like, as it was breaking up, like, we're goofing around on the ice. I still think that it might be my sister she's thinking of. But but, uh, she insists that it's me. So who knows? I don't remember doing it. I must have been a real small kid. But, uh, yeah, the dog tooth buttes are my, like, my repetitive, repetitive, like, feature in a lot of my art. And then, you know, bandlands, landscape in general, try to incorporate a lot of that with my broken eye, uh exhibition that i did during 2020 that was real successful and um I'd, so there's a lot of um badlands in there as well as little touches about like my childhood um one memory in particular we we were me and my dad and my two younger brother, brothers i think and we were out fishing and it was nighttime well, not night it was da- it was dusk and we heard this awful sound out in the trees. Like, it was terrifying. We were like, "What is that noise, Dad?" And it was this noise, like, Ooh. and we're, we're little ch- children. We're terrified. We're like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Calm down. It's just a nighthawk. When oh. when nighthawks dive, the sound of their wings makes that terrifying noise because <laughs> the wind going past them, like it's it's loud and right. it's scary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is just a funny little memory that I have that it stuck with me and I so I put nighthawks into my art a lot uh it reminds me of my dad he passed away a few years ago so I like to incorporate that stuff into my art yeah. as much as I can um and then I guess recently I just I just always kind of like focus on like animals a lot and that kind of imagery and I think that yeah, I think that's pretty much, pretty much it for his, like like yeah, incorporating rural stuff into my artwork anyway. Yeah.
3: You
1: mentioned your broken eye exhibition, and this was um, a, a tremendous series, uh, in my opinion, oh, thank and I you. think in a lot of opinions. Um, and you, you continue a lot of that same design structure in your you call them scratches
3: (laughs) yeah and how
1: you do can you can you talk a little bit about that because I've I've heard little parts of it and I've kind of I'm fascinated and I've (laughs) repeated it to several people too um can you talk about where that came from why why it has affected your work and what, what occurs there?
0: Well, I, so in, was it 2017, I think it was, I had some light flashes in my eye, like light crawling across my vision. And I was like, mm, what is this? So I went to the eye to the optometrist and she's like, mm, I don't know what this is. I'm going to refer you to a surgeon. And I was like, oh, great. This is going to be fun. So I went to the surgeon the next day and uh, he looks in my eyes and he goes, "Oh, okay, we're gonna have surgery tomorrow." <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, is it that dire?" And he's like, "Yeah, you need to. We need to get this fixed. My retina was detaching. Oh. Yeah. And if your retina detaches in the center where you have center vision, that's done for. You can't fix that. That's what he told me. So I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, awesome. We're gonna have surgery tomorrow. Awesome." Can't have breakfast. Cool. And so we had, we did the surgery and then I went back the next week for a checkup as they do. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, it's not working. We're going to do another surgery. Mm. <laughs> so he had put a gas bubble in my eye. The idea was that the gas bubble would press against the basically he did tack welding in my eye. He put a scleral buckle on the back of my eye and then he like tack welded all the little loose bits back down. And the the um, gas bubble was supposed to press against those welds. I don't know if they call them welds. <laughs> that's what I'm familiar, that's the vernacular I'm familiar with. Sure. So that's what we're going with. Um, so She's yeah. a ranch girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know how to weld. <laughs> and uh, so the gas bubble was supposed to press down on those little tack welds and keep them in place, and it wasn't working. So instead, he took out all of the fluid in my eye, which I did not know you could do, and filled it up with oil instead so that was weird so i'm just looking through oil like it literally looks like oil and during the second surgery it was are you asleep for the surgery oh no no okay i was that's what i was wondering
2: so you're experiencing all of this you're
0: awake you are loopy they get you real looped up yeah like (laughs) (laughs) like he's like i was like can i please be asleep he's like no i need you to be able to move around if i need you to move around like Mm -hmm. readjust Mm -hmm. Okay. He's like, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he it was fine. Uh, but it was still, like, it was weird because you're so loopy that during the surgery, I had to keep reminding myself, hey, pay attention, you're in surgery. <laughs> Stop letting your mind wander and pay attention. Yeah. So during the second surgery, it was a little uh, traumatic because the, the, like, blocker they put in my eye. So they put a blocker in your eye, so you can't see what... You can't see them cutting up the eye that you're cutting. And then they got a piece of paper across your nose, so the other eye can't see any sharp objects coming at your face. Sure. You just see a paper, a blue paper. Um, So in the second surgery, the blocker did not do as well as the first one. So I could kind of see shapes, and I could watch the oil, like, flowing into my eye, like, piling on itself like oil does. Ah. Yeah, that was weird. And so that imagery of oil, like... You know how oil looks when it piles on itself. Mm -hmm. You know, I I got I put that in my art a lot, and also I could feel more than I could feel on the first surgery. (laughs) Like Mm. it felt like he was like cutting something fibrous, (laughs) and that really freaked me out. (laughs) So yeah, that was I got over it. Like that was boy, but it bothered me for a while. So the third surgery when he took out the oil. That was much better. That was, like, the first surgery. It was fine. No problems. Um, no traumatic experiences of things being cut in my eye. But, um, so, yeah, then I had, like, a third surgery, like, a month later to take out the oil. And then your eye fills itself back up with its own fluid. That takes a while. <laughs> That's very That's weird. That's fun. Yeah. So you can watch the level of liquid, so, like, <laughs> rise in your eye. Yeah, over time. Like, it took a few days. Like, maybe... A week, maybe a little yeah. more, and yeah. So that makes it into my ah, into my my artwork a lot, and also for a portion of time there, I had to sit with my head facing the ground, parallel to the ground, so I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I had, for like so that things could press against the right spots in my eye, mm-hmm. and during that time, I was walking around like outside, and I have to do that for forty-five minutes out of every hour. So there's only 15 minutes where you get to, like, look up and be a normal person. And then oh. the rest of the 45 minutes, and this is all day, every day. Is you this have... in between, like, the second and third surgery? This was, I think this was during, the, in between the first two surgeries okay. with the gas okay. bubble. Okay. And so while I was having to deal with that, I, when I was walking around outside during the summertime, uh, I saw a ton more, like, um, dragonflies than I would normally see, because I'm looking at the ground. So they make it into my art a lot. And um, most of the scratchy drawing stuff that is in my that you see in those pieces and the stuff I still make um, is reminiscent of the things that I would see as my eye was healing. So there's, like, stains on my vision, like, black spots, and I still have them, but not as bad as they were back then, like, to the point where I thought I saw birds, They're just black spots. They're just big black spots or bugs. And one funny time I was driving back from Bismarck with a friend and I was like, I saw a big black and it was a bigger black spot than I've ever seen in my eye before. And I was I got really scared really fast. I was like, oh my God. And then I looked and it was a blue heron. (laughs) 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 So like, (laughs) whew, that was that was a relief. So blue heron is in some of my art. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all those little experiences in the art and the eye healing uh, make it into my art. A lot of like refractive light stuff. It's impossible to draw the stuff that I was seeing because it's all light. How do you, mm-hmm. drawing the light is impossible. Drawing the shadows is what we actually do. And even that is not really possible. I couldn't you can't really get what I was seeing down on the paper with paint or ink but I tried yeah. and it kind of came up with, I like, I'm pretty proud of that exhibition. I wish that it, I wish that I had been able to exhibit it. Uh, not during COVID. Well.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's>,
0: <laughs> Could to maybe had people actually yeah, show up and, you know, do the thing, yeah. but oh well, that's for, that'll be for the next one.
1: Yeah. I I think that's a great story because the, I mean, obviously it was a, not pleasant experience, no. but it has it has created something beautiful um, because it's. The word iconic feels really weighty. Too but much. There, right. Too much It's there's, a signature. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, okay. it's distinctively Roxy oh, okay. when yeah. I see those things. So, like, the the painting from the first ever Artist After Hours, I know the artists <laughs> that are in there. It's like, well, that's Roxy, and then Greg came in and filled it in. And, you know, I, I, so they're, they're those elements that I really like them. Mm-hmm. So. It's me, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's wonderful. 15 year old Roxy would be really glad to find that I have a, a style now and a yeah. niche that people will recognize. Yeah,
1: can you talk a little bit about uh benefits or challenges of being a creative in a rural community? I know we have um you know, various things uh as as artists in Minot that are both good and bad, yeah. Um, so like. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, we, obviously, 2020 wasn't the best best <laughs> yeah. example for a variety of things, but your experience as the creative in in a in this setting.
0: Well, um, I mean, like I've mentioned before, growing up in the Amadon Bowman area, there weren't very many op- um, art opportunities to experience. Mm-hmm. But even in those areas, they exist. So, like, you can find them if you look for them. There are. Um, exhibitions that you can go see there are art galleries even though they're small there's local artists that you can meet and stuff like that and I was even as a kid I got to be a part of some juried exhibitions there in Bowman and that was really valuable because at least at the one the juror um, met with all the artists as a group and they talked about why they picked all the ones they picked and that was really fun because I got to hang out with other artists and my mom was there too so it was fun because then we got to listen to the juror tell us why they picked ours or didn't and like give us all this feedback and stuff that was really valuable uh especially in a small area like this where you don't have a lot of art interaction with each other um and then mom and i got ice cream and drove home and bitched about it it was really fun (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like you had like
2: really good opportunities to, like, have those one-on-one interactions that you probably wouldn't have had if you weren't in that environment. Yeah, and to have the people
0: that care to take you to them or encourage you to talk at them Mm -hmm. or whatever if you're a particularly painfully shy child like I was. Um, But then, of course, in Minot, it's a much bigger town than where I grew up. Mm -hmm. It's still small by comparison to other places. Um, But there are a lot of art things here, and I've been here about 20 years now, and it's been fun to, like, watch how things have grown from when I showed up here as a little art student, and now when things are just amazing, like, so much has grown. We have more galleries, we have more art events with the Downtown Thursday stuff, and, um, is, there's just more people, I feel like, that appreciate art here than, um, than they did back then. Like, there seems like there's more people that are willing to participate or go to or appreciate art than there used to be. And, and I mean, it, it kind of seems like because we're in a small town, there's not, there's not an unlimited amount of arts experience, opportunities like there would be in Minneapolis or Denver or whatever. But I feel like the people who are here who are interested in art are very open to whatever art wants to wander into our area. Like, like if you see a deer wander into your yard, you're not like, oh, what a crappy deer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could go
0: see a better deer at Madison deer garden or something. <laughs> like, no, you're, you're like, I'm going to start doing <laughs> that. <but laughs> you're like, criticizing oh, criticizing the deer on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> right. No, you're like, cool, a deer. And you're like, you appreciate this moment or this wonderful, beautiful thing. Like walked into your life for a few minutes. I mean, unless you, unless the deer eat your garden, then I suppose you might have a different perspective on mm. the matter. But I don't think we have a lot of, like, artists coming to not eating people's gardens. Or I, I don't know. This analogy is really off the rails now. Um, but I think... That, I still appreciate <laughs> right, it. Right, I do too. <laughs> I think people, people in this area appreciate the art that does come through with an open mind because we only have so much to experience. You know, it, in a bigger town, you, you couldn't possibly begin to experience all of it in your lifetime so but here you can you can experience all of it in a weekend if you want so I think people that are interested and care about the arts in this area are open-minded and willing and happy to get whatever art we get in this area and I think that's a great thing because it allows us to not adhere to any preconceived notions about what fine art should be like we're just doing our thing we're doing crazy stuff out here and we're doing it well, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that there's any pretension to, like, the art that we see. Like, there's so much cool, just funky, weird art that's good mm-hmm. that if you were in an atmosphere where people were like, oh, no, we only appreciate, like, the finest of art that you wouldn't get to see. Right. And that is really cool.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that.
1: I've heard tell stories, going to phrase it like that, <laughs> of you know, a time 10, 15 years ago where there maybe were a little bit more of that, where in the last 10 years it has shifted. Yeah. Um, and even, even some of the people that um, to a degree may have had uh, pretentious isn't the right word, but a uh, slightly more highbrow view of it have have opened up.
0: Yeah. I do yeah. feel like it was, like, there's less snobbery Yeah, in the art community in Minot than there used to be. I mm-hmm. think that, I mean, we used to, some people, not me, obviously not me, some people used to call the Tobby the snobby Tobby, you oh, know? Really? Like, yeah, people were really, art people would call it that. And now there's no... There's no way no. you could possibly think that about the topic. They are doing such crazy, wild stuff now, that is just amazing. That you, you know, I feel I do feel like that, that. That attitude is pretty much gone. I'm sure there's some stragglers, but I think most yeah. people are pretty open and accepting and just interested. And that's all we really need is interest.
1: Right. Right. There, are, there are lines sometimes. Um, I know that there was a play that mouse River players did a few years ago that uh had a really bad reaction and like they they may have lost some people for a little while but um i didn't I didn't see it like i I didn't happen to see this particular one I just heard about it um and there were some people that were a little bit upset about it, but I think they've either gotten over it or we've attra- they've attracted a new crowd <laughs> they they struggled for a little while and you know that things like that happen, and you become a little bit, you know, gun shy of right. trying new things.
0: Yeah, people so, are allowed to feel their feelings, but right. also it's good to challenge. I think it's a good thing to challenge people to, in, you know, experience different things. Yeah,
1: I like seeing the number of artists and groups that try, you know, yeah, when, how, when they try something different or try something new. And um, when I when I took this position, I. I had to realize you know you 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 approach things by saying if it doesn't work the first time doesn't mean I shouldn't try it a second right. time. It just means that either I have to tweak it or it's going to take a minute.
0: right. How are you gonna grow if you don't challenge yourself and your viewers? right?
1: I think that's important
0: mm-hmm. definitely,
2: <laughs> yeah, and especially because of the conversations that it allows to be had and then as those conversations you know the first time you see something it's just the chatter that starts right and right. then once you've given the chatter a little bit of time to uh to work <laughs> then if you try it again people are going to have different perspectives so yeah. it would be interesting to to maybe see like mouse river players see if they could do something similar to what they did before and see if they didn't get a different response this time too
1: I don't know. Yeah. They're not they're not going <laughs> to go that far again. This was this was a It was a
2: it was a language thing, wasn't it? It was a language thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It was a it was a short play. I mean it was still a full-length play, but it was like an hour and a half. Mm. So it was a ninety minute play with I think like a hundred and twenty instances of the F word.
2: I mean that's a that's a little bit. Right. Yeah. So it was,
1: it was excessive. Yes. And for a community theater, like people go to a community theater <laughs> expecting a community theater play. Right. And this isn't what they got. And I don't like I don't wanna I'm not going to badmouth the theater no, or even the people that were not. involved in the play because yeah. they tried something different. Absolutely, this particular <laughs> one did, had some ramifications. <laughs> um, but I know from the the people that are the people that look at scripts to this day mm-hmm. are very conscious of that occurrence that happened. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. We've had, I mean, working at Minot State University, we've had stuff like that mm-hmm. too where students go to illustrate something on their own for like the example was homecoming and they um, decided to make a girl beaver and a boy beaver and they made the girl beaver with boobies. <gasps> and that was a bad thing. Sure. They, they got a lot of backlash for that. And so now we are super duper careful about how things are handled and how students uh draw their things <laughs> sure because so i mean yeah it has you got to be careful and it, yeah. but it shouldn't stop you from challenging and like trying different things no. never know what's going to work
1: well and you bring up the toby and we've had the conversation with rachel rachel mm. is so open to you know mm-hmm. creating space in there and uh bringing in exhibitions that may not have gone in there before yeah she's not She's not going to discriminate. Like this yeah, is this she, is an art gallery, and art is.
0: Yep, she's doing crazy stuff everything. over there. I love it. Mm-hmm. She's really like rocking it, and I'm so proud. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we've talked about uh, the Toby and maybe this will be on the list. I I honestly don't know, but um, can you tell us about some of the collaborations that you've had, that uh, some of the work that you've done with other people and in this community too?
0: No, I'm a loner. I only work by myself, yeah. No, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any, like, full-scale co- collaborations with uh, people yet, but I do like to teach, mm. do the teaching classes at the Tobby or at the Cancer Center, um, and stuff like that, and it's really rewarding to do that kind of stuff, even though I'm not sure I'm a great teacher because I'm just kind of all over the place, and I'm like, do it like this. No, why aren't you doing it like this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not, why is your hand not doing the right thing? So I don't know that I'm a, a great teacher, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. And and seeing people make stuff because I inspired them to was, is really rewarding. Even just this morning at work, my friend Mike came over and he's like, hey, I saw that drawing you did for Inktober on Facebook the other day. And I drew it too. And he, <laughs> he drew it. He's <laughs> he's like he said he's not very good at drawing. But it was a very good drawing. And so that was a really nice, like, start to my day, a really nice little rewarding moment where someone was inspired to make art because they saw me making art.
1: I think every October you inspire me to try Inktober yeah. and I'm just, I'm always <laughs> too scared. Like, I, I don't... always
0: plan
2: to do it and then ADHD kicks in and so, like, I sure. forget. And you, your post reminded me <laughs> this year and I
0: got, like, two in. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, that's enough. You're doing it. You well, did a little bit. That's better than nothing.
1: And I'm I'm not a... Draw. (laughs) I don't. I don't do the visual art. We've talked about this many times. There's,
0: there's no rule that says you have to draw. Right. Just use ink. Yeah. Somehow, in some way,
2: just put ink on the paper and blow it, or make weird sounds at it and see what (laughs)
0: happens. (laughs) I would love to see that. That
3: would
1: be me. I would make weird sounds at it <laughs> Yeah, and, record and see it. what happens.
0: Record it and then present like when you put it in the gallery, you have the drawing. I mean, it wouldn't be a drawing. It would be a lump of ink. Sure. With a recorder, preferably an old style one with a tape. And you just press play, and you get to hear what you yelled at that yeah, ink, okay. and continually traumatize that ink <laughs> every time someone looks at it. <laughs> every time someone experiences that artwork, the ink is further traumatized.
1: That's going to be my exhibition. It's part of
0: it, I think that would is be great. I think you have to do it. Yeah, making
1: noises at lumps of I ink. Want
0: to see it, Justin?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making any promises.
1: We're going year. to bully you and I feel happens. very on the spot. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs>
2: so we've heard um, a little bit about like past exhibitions and some other things you've done. What are you working on now, or what do you have coming on next?
0: What I'm working on right now is what I'm super-duper excited about is my <clears throat> art trading cards, my Akedopolis King Crew cards. So cool. I'm so proud of them. This is the fastest project I've ever done. And I didn't have to do it. (laughs) It was not an obligation. I actually started because I took a piece of illustration board that was just real small. I just wanted to test out the paper, the uh, paint on this illustration board to see how it was going to work. And I ended up painting this cute little anthropomorphic cat, I think it was. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to do more of these. And I did more of those, and I turned them into trading cards. So now there's 23 anthropomorphic, different kinds of animals, weird, just weird guys. And, uh, on the backs of the cards, they have little snippets, little fragments of their life on there that you can kind of, like, infer things about them, and stats that you may or may not want to use for, like, a uh, role-playing game, like a tabletop role-playing game. It could be, it could be used for that. I love that some of them have
1: negative stats. Yes, too. they do. <laughs> just me.
0: Yes. They're positives and negatives, and not all of them are uh, equally balanced characters. It would not be fun to try to play. Um but then then one fun thing that I have not really talked much about with these guys is that they connect to each other in mysterious ways. So if you get the cards, you can read the backs and you can look at the at the artwork. And you can make connections here and there and, like, mm-hmm. figure out things about them based on these connections. I haven't tried
2: that yet. <laughs> Does one of those connections have to do with the, like, need to want to know statements? <laughs> okay.
0: that's <laughs> I, is, That stuck
2: out for me. Yeah there, yeah.
0: there is That is on all of them. There's a different mm-hmm. one of those on all of them. And that's just because that is something that is I mean, maybe that's another thing in, in my art life history that that's a phrase that i have like come back to again and again Mm -hmm. i want to know i need to know i used to know i don't know yeah that kind of stuff so yeah maybe that might be a a part of the mystery Mm -hmm. yeah so and then the idea is that i'm hopefully if they're successful uh then i'll make another run of them that will continue the mystery i have long been obsessed with this idea of having a an art mystery that you can figure out by looking at my stuff. Like, there's, and I'm remiss to figure out, to remember the artist's name, but he did a uh, children's book, I think, in the 80s, and it's very highly detailed, like, animals, just illustrations of animals, and there's a mystery in it. If you can figure out the mystery, it'll give you coordinates to a spot where you can go dig up a golden rabbit statue that he made like his metal and hmm. it's, it looks like a mobile kind of it's got stuff hanging off of it. It's, there's a whole like there's little documentaries about it you can find on youtube oh, fun. really interesting and and he's not the only one there's plenty of other like mysteries that people weave into their art and i'm like i want to do that and i started this card these cards and I was like, "This is my opportunity. <laughs> I can weave some mystery into this that people can follow and like figure out and like, yeah." So,
1: is there something that we can dig up?
0: <laughs> not at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be a copycat. After all, plus I'd, I also would not want to make it a like. If I did have a big prize like that at the end, where. Someone could figure it out and find the thing. I wouldn't want it to be accessible only to people who can get to a particular area. Sure. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of cruddy. Sure. I want to be. I want it to be. A, I don't know what it'll be, but I'll figure it out, and it'll be accessible to all. <laughs> if they figure out the mystery, you like decode first. like the a certain QR code or website
3: or something <laughs> right. that mm-hmm. takes you to
0: yeah like, yeah yeah to a very particular email address where you email me on it, and then I'll know you figured it out. And I'll send you the painting or whatever it is. That's not for sure. That's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's an idea. It's an idea. We're spitballing here. There's
1: nothing concrete yet, folks.
0: (laughs) Or is there? No, there's not.
1: (laughs) Well, I have two packs of the Okidopolis cards. They're highly enjoyable. Um, Are you going to do anything else with these characters beyond the cards?
0: Possibly, but I don't have anything set in stone yet. So, maybe.
1: <laughs> Things tumbling around the head. Oh, yeah. yeah. Creative. Like
0: I said, this thing happens so fast. I like, I, that first one I did maybe two or three months ago, and I just cranked them all out because they were so fun to do. And I'm honestly so proud of each and every one of them. I love them so much. Like, I've done exhibitions in the past, like regular style exhibitions where... I have the pieces that I love the most and then the rest are they're good they're me but I don't love them that much. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're filler to me. These are all great. To me they're all 100 they're top of the the cream of the crop. I love them. They're my favorite things. So every single one that you see is my favorite one. Yeah. And I, and so yeah, it's I'm hopefully going to do more of them beyond this and maybe branch off into using them the characters for other things i've got ideas rumbling around um, my husband is also very good at writing so he might be able to help me <laughs> kind of pin it down and nail it down into something tangible but no solid plans yet we're getting there i gotta get a response first i gotta get like test the waters with it and see if people actually like them before i waste a lot of time and money on them you know? they're
1: highly enjoyable mm-hmm. everybody who's listening get yourself <laughs> at least two or three packs <laughs> i will get more packs Where can our listeners find Okidopolis trading cards or other Roxy Mathis material?
0: Uh, On my website, roxymathisart.com, or uh, in person. I usually have some with me, and um, also I'm going to be doing, I don't do vendor shows very often, Mm -hmm. but I did do the punk rock art show, and that was really fun, and the Coastly shop down here on Main Street yeah Yeah, they're brand new um they asked if I'd want to do a little show that they're doing on November 4th just a little vendor show they said that I they described it to me and it sounded amazing and now I can't repeat any of it because I can't remember any of it but it sounds really fun there's gonna be a lot of people there uh cozy Christmas at Coastly I think is what it's called yeah definitely it's a Saturday so show up for that I will have them there um And then other stuff, prints and and all that junk, all that fun stuff. And I'll I'll be there personally so you can talk to me. Yay. And then did I also
2: see that you were redoing an earlier book that you had done?
0: I was going to. Okay. But thank goodness. I I was gonna have thought I was gonna have to redo that book, The Moose on the Loose book, Mm -hmm. because I couldn't find the files for it and the the files that Amazon, because I ordered the prints through Amazon. The files they had were gone for some reason, and they were like, No big deal, just re upload it. And I was like, Okay, cool. And I couldn't find them. (laughs) I was like, Oh my god, (laughs) what have I done? Um, so I thought, Cool, I'll just redo the whole book, I guess. And that could be fun in some sense to like do a second Second version of you know, with my current skill level, it's way better than when I did it in the first place. But no, then I found a jump drive with it on there, so we're all good. Nice, I thank goodness don't have to redo all that work. Yeah. So I can focus on other Projects. things, new yeah. things, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Are you going to do other books?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't have any written fully yet. I have a bunch of them that are in progress. And I keep getting ideas from friends about children's books that are fun to hear cuz there are things that I wouldn't necessarily think of on my own. So, yeah, like Rachel's Rachel's guy, Chase. He yeah. he messaged me with a really cute one about a guy and his kid, and a fly that gets stuck in the car. <laughs> it's so cute.
1: <laughs> I imagine that's an actual occurrence. Yeah, that <laughs> <It> sounds, <yeah. laughs> sounds like it could be. Really
0: yeah, it sounds too. like it came right from real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember a day that my daughter. Um, was yelling at me from the back seat because the moon was following her
2: (laughs) we had a similar one of those with katie except instead of yelling she was like she was so excited she was like it's coming with us oh no
3: my daughter was angry
1: (laughs) 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 she was so angry she wanted me to stop the moon following her
0: she's like tell it to stop yeah oh that's adorable (laughs) kids they're adorable oh my god they make the best stories
1: so now I also want to see an book. Okidopolis book, but like a children's book style, but clearly for adults.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we talked about that, how the Okidopolis crew might be for adults because the one of them is smoking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the only one though. Like we could just leave that guy out or just take the cigarette out of his mouth. Sure. Uh, they don't have to be for adults, but that would be fun. Yeah. That would be nice do a graphic novel style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you fun. seen those um the like escape room
2: mm-hmm. boxes? Oh yeah. They like come with a book that like talks you through different mysteries or whatever, but then there's also like it comes it's like a game, like a tabletop game. Oh yeah. And then yeah. there's like little puzzles and stuff. And oh. you know, when you said mystery, I don't
0: know why That's that a fun idea. Kind yeah. of popped into my head. All right. I got to write that down when I get home. So we generally like to
2: wrap things up asking um our guests, if they had, could make one arts related recommendation to somebody who's either new to Minot or visiting Minot,
0: what that one arts related recommendation would be? Hmm. That's tough. I think it depends on your situation. Uh, if you are afflicted with an interest in art, I would say <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> I would say that a good choice would be the tobby because they have a high quality uh, choices of art to mm-hmm. see there. Um, I would think if you are a person who is not interested in art and you're still asking for this recommendation because you're a weirdo, <laughs> I would say... I would I say, that even more. <laughs> I would say your best bet in that case would be the Tobby because they've got... Several different type, several different varieties in there. They've got the upstairs gallery, the downstairs gallery, and then two more little rooms of gallery space. They're all four different things. Plus the um, the um, gift shop acts as its own kind of gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would think if you are a person who is just in town for a minute, like you're on a drive through Minot, and you haven't seen art in like four hours, and you're starting to get the shakes, you should. <laughs> You should probably your best bet then would be probably the Tobby because they're pretty close to the Broadway. They're like you can just like hit them right off the off the highway and you can just run in, make one fast loop. You can run, maybe you don't run. Rachel probably wouldn't like that through the gallery. Just look the at everything. Steps would be
1: dangerous. Run, yeah, I think. Right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So just bebop through the gallery on the top floor there, and then just like back in your car, and you're you're good. You're fixed for the rest of the day. Um, I would say if you are in town. And you need to get your art fix, because you're you're getting the shakes, uh, and it's Monday. Tobby's not open on Monday. Mm-hmm. I would say that the Northwest Art Center at Minot State University is your absolute go-to. Not to not I know I love the Tobby, but the I'm not denigrating the Northwest Art Center at all. They're amazing. It's an amazing facility, mm-hmm. top-notch, brand new stuff. They also have several art spaces. They've got the interior gallery, the out exterior gallery, plus the Native American history display in the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you wander upstairs, the library gallery usually has something in it too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're amazing. And there's always somebody there you can ask questions. So, yeah, the the Northwest Art Center at Miami State University would be your Monday pick. Your
1: Monday choice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can also wander across campus. I think the little gallery that's in the student center on campus The Flat Tail Press, Mm -hmm. I don't think they get enough props because it's just a random space in the student center on campus, and I love it. It's always got amazing stuff in there, and I get to walk through it every single day on my work day. So definitely a good choice. There's a lot of good choices for art stuff in Minot if you've never been here before, for sure. Definitely the Tavi, though.
1: I I, I don't know why I like the... uh if you don't like art, but you're asking this because you're weirdo, <laughs> and it led to the Toffee, and it makes me think of the the exhibit that's in there right now, and it's gonna be gone by the time this episode comes out, so I don't know why I'm talking about it. But there's there's the Slab City downstairs. Mm. Oh, yeah. If you haven't gone and seen that yet, um, it's it, it's clay houses from cartoons. Yeah. like it, it like anybody can look at and appreciate these things just because it's just this fun pop culture thing.
0: Yeah, you know, thrown together, but they're so everybody recognizes the Simpsons Church, right? Yeah, you're not going to have people going, "Oh, I don't get it," right? Right? They're going to get it. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: when they have some things like that, those are just really fun. But then they also have the other exhibits that become just so much, and they're in depth, and they're um, they're they're great, and they're amazing, and.
2: Yeah, I think Rachel does a really great job of balancing like really approachable art mm-hmm. and like those
0: thought provoking yeah like pieces. And so there really is something for everybody. Yeah. In yeah. It's amazing stuff over there. All the time.
1: Well, thank you, Roxy, so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, having me. it a lot of fun with the conversation, learning about your stuff.
0: Yes, it was a lot of fun. It was more fun than I expected. Well, I'm
1: glad. Uh, this has been the Minot Arts Podcast, a map to the arts in small-town America with your hosts, Justin. And Chandel. Thanks for listening.
2: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our antics today and would like to hear more from us, we'd greatly appreciate you leaving a review or subscribing via whatever platform it is that you're listening to podcasts on. The Minot Arts Podcast is hosted by Justin Anderson and Shandell Latin, is presented as a program of the Minot Area Council of the Arts in Minot, North Dakota, and is produced by Brandon Tronson of More Than Music. This project is supported in part by Grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the state legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you again for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us or any of our programming, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at minotarts.org.